0: Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast with our Ask the Expert series, a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape, My name is Max Curtin, Editor-in-Chief here at EM360 and your host on today's podcast. Now, in today's podcast, I've got a special guest joining me. I've got Joe Carson, who is the Chief Security Scientist at Phycotic, a cybersecurity company that prevents cyber attacks by securing passwords, protecting endpoints, and controlling application access. So Joe, thank you so much for agreeing to come on this podcast and having a chat with me today.
1: It's a pleasure to be here, and I think it's uh, definitely an important subject that hopefully, you know, using our our knowledge and sharing it will make the world a safer place.
0: Today's conversation is quite interesting in regards that we're going to be discussing the challenges that business leaders face when failing to set meaningful targets for IT security teams. And it's not often that the CEOs and, and the board get kind of brought into this conversation, but they are such an integral part of this. And I think we've been seeing recently where we've got companies such as Equifax in the news, Target, TalkTalk, Talk. there's been breaches happening and it was the CEO who was end up being held responsible for this. So I think my first question to you so we can kind of set the tone for this is, mm-hmm. should the responsibility fall solely on the CEOs and the general C-suite for IT security failures that occur on their watch?
1: Absolutely, they do have a large part of the responsibility and accountability for failing to take the really proactive action to help reduce the risk. And this is ultimately, you know, by not having visibility, the risk is ultimately, you know, some of the major failures that they have ultimately cost them their jobs. For many companies over the years, technology, IT, infrastructure, cloud, applications, and software has become so very much a part of the dependencies those organizations have. On their business models today so failure to really look at those as a very you know important critical role really ultimately means that you know lack of things like cybersecurity, strong privilege access strong access controls uh, reducing the kind of the risk itself and making sure that you've got also a high availability and also strong encryption by failing to really prioritize those as those organizations are accelerating their adoption has ultimately led to many C-level suites uh, losing their jobs as a result of failure to protect them. It's an interesting conversation
0: and an interesting point to be at because I think if we look about 10, 15 years ago, it was the attitude of, oh, you know, that's that's down in IT or that's down with the, the security team, that doesn't really need to affect me. But now we're looking at data being such an integral part of any business it is such an important role for the the CEOs to understand. And we'll get into kind of how they can focus more on this and what needs to be done for steps. But I mentioned a couple of companies there that uh, have obviously faced this issue. Do you think the attitudes
1: are starting to change within the c suite I believe they are, though not fast enough. I believe what's changed is that definitely the C suite are listening more. They are getting more time with Sizzos at the boardroom meetings. They're listening to their insurance companies and their customers and partners about things that are important to them. So they are listening more. However, you know, at this stage I'm seeing that failure to act, failure to really put things in place. It really reduces the risks so it is important that they are listening and they are basically you know observing and paying more attention ultimately we will see a lot more you know c-level losing their jobs because of that failure to act because of that failure to really you know put into action the recommendations that's coming from the security team and coming from the CISO in order to really reduce the risk so i don't think that you know really at this time you know it's going to get better i think we're going to see a lot more worse before really more organizations really start to step up and really take really strong accountability responsibility. What happens is in post breach scenario, we really see the organizations who have really invested into incident response and really done things around cyber awareness, companies who have really put the C-suite into red team exercises and practices and preparation. When we see those post breaches, we do see those organizations who have taken it serious. And some organizations we see a major failures you know, not basically providing transparency and conflicting messages from basically public incident response messages from the C level, and then those that you're getting from the real techies that's, you know, working on the incident on the ground. So many organizations you can see post breach, those organizations that have really spent time and really prioritized as part of their business continuity plan. It's interesting
0: to have the approach of um, reacting to it, but there also needs to be processes in place to get ahead of it. And I think that's, Obviously where a lot of shortfalls are coming in and when you're looking at a security approach, you know a lot of companies might take a tick box approach to it, but as we know that causes major issues when you're looking at zero day threats or new attack methods that come in. So you've mentioned a couple of points there, but if we kind of break down from an organization perspective and I know this is difficult because every organization is different, but what key areas are organizations overlooking generally or what areas are they cutting back
1: on that they should really have more of a focus? What's important is is that they need to get back to the basics and it's many cases it's the basics that are get overlooked some organizations really look into a lot of the trending things you know when they go to conferences sometimes you hear a lot of these big trend keywords around things like artificial intelligence machine learning and sometimes they kind of look at those as they kind a of silver bullet to really help you know the organizations protect themselves but in most cases it's the fundamentals is getting down to the very simple basics that a large amount of malicious things like malware uh, ransomware that they actually come through the front door through people's email accounts, whether it being the corporate email accounts or their their personal email accounts. And then ultimately those employees having administrator or high level administrator access or local administrator access, that ends becoming a lateral move that giving the attackers access to the keys of the kingdom to be able to get access to the data, either to that data through ransomware Or to steal it and then to do ransomware that uh, they won't release it in the public internet. So it's really the fundamentals, getting that back to basics and doing the basics really well before organizations really start to try and look at the marketing trends types of uh, definitions. And I really think that that's what makes the difference. I don't think organizations should really be too concerned about things like zero-day threats. Zero-day threats are mostly of concern around things like nation states or, you know, advanced criminal organizations. It's until those zero days are weaponized is where you really start to worry. And sometimes, you know hopefully, you get enough notification from the vendors or from some government agencies. We've had one recently. Um, of course, it was you know widely publicized around Microsoft's crypto library, where the NSA has published the zero day. And now, of course, we've had the fix. So those types of scenarios, you hope that you do get enough notification. But of course, yesterday, we now had the IE browser zero-day, which there is no fix, and you're just waiting for that time to hopefully the fix comes out before it gets weaponized. And once it's weaponized, that's really where it becomes more mass available for malicious actors to abuse it. So kind of from a zero-day, I think that those are things that we should kind of look at and we should continually do good patch management practices and reduce the risks once they become weaponized. But it ultimately comes down to the biggest risk that most organizations face, mostly in 2020 and beyond, is ransomware and things like uh, you know malicious malware that is destructive or you know stealing data. Those are the ones that typically have the biggest financial costs to organizations. Not having access to the machines, we can look at Trevelex the last couple of weeks and to their response that they've had from the ransomware attack, which has just still yet to be, you know, <laughs> a good, clear transparency about what's happening and kind of played down by the company. And it's really important that companies do not play down the attack. What they really do is make sure they have a clear message to the customers and what's happening and what's going on. I think sometimes having worked in digital forensics and instant response myself, uh, downplaying it before you've already done the instant response or digital forensics is a bad practice. When you try to say that, you know, to date, we do not know any known information that data has been lost, is that you always assume the worst case. But of course, you handle it in a PR perspective. And that's always important that you really do have what you're searching, you're looking for those indicators of data being lost. And any customers, you would take a very cautious approach with your personal information to date. So you don't want to downplay it too much because ultimately the attackers are just saying they have it there's a very strong case that they do. And ultimately it's an important case that you wanna make sure that you're honest. It's the honest companies that survive the best and therefore downplaying those type of actions is a poor practice and, and something you know we always kind of go against. And that's why you see Equifaction and TalkTalk Talk being probably the two that have had the serious, say ramifications resulting from the data breaches because of that failure to be very, very strong communication in the post breach.
0: And I think that's interesting in the sense of it is important to have that kind of transparency, especially from a consumer's perspective for understanding. Do you think this approach of, okay, here's the person that we're going to hold accountable and these are the actions that we've taken due to this data loss, do you think that helps to reassure the consumers of future issues? Because data is such an important issue for, for them now. Does this kind of help alleviate and almost put that kind of PR spin on it a little bit?
1: Yeah, you have to be very careful with the accountability piece of pointing fingers before a full investigation has been completed. You want to have the instant response and the digital forensics and the root cause analysis completed before you start pointing fingers. And I remember even going back to the Equifax case, which really concerned many of us in the industry, that the executives in the business were actually pointing to one of the IT security analysts for accountability. And what that did was actually create another major security risk because then what was happening was is that failure to pass the system, this person wasn't doing their job and therefore their job's at risk. And now it started a campaign that happened post that now a lot of employees were being targeted from malicious payload saying, your system's not updated, click here to patch your system. And ultimately that was a malicious malware that was trying to get them to think it was a patch. And now they're looking at the public information about one of their colleagues potentially losing their job as a result of not patching something can actually have them end up having more cyber incidents and more cyber attacks as a result of those early kind of attribution, early pointing fingers. So I think it's always important to handle it in a much more, let's say, pragmatic approach and make sure you do a full investigation root cause before you really do start to point any fingers. But it's important that strong communication along the way is so crucial. I think we look back at some of the companies who've done really well. And I think, you know, I put my hands with Norse Kydro, who really made it available, all the things we're doing along the way, they're really making it personal to the point even where the attackers actually started helping them <laughs> recover. So you want to really kind of show the impact, you know, really show what the organization is doing, show what mitigations you're putting in place to reduce the potential in the future. But attribution accountability, this is the most difficult part in our business. So pointing fingers to employees too early, I think it doesn't do the company or the industry any good and and it should be done you know once the full transparency and full investigation has been completed and usually you, you want to, to minimize that information as well from a public standpoint as well i
0: think that's a very good point because obviously you don't want this to snowball and become more of an issue so i think that's 100 right and something organizations should take into account of let's understand what the issue is how this was caused then we can talk about it and Conversation is very important, which leads me nicely on to my next point. From your standpoint, what kind of conversations do these CEOs and C-suites need to be having with their IT security professionals to make sure that they implement proactive measures and appropriate budgets to understand these issues and make sure that they're on top of everything?
1: That's one of the most critical questions we need to answer moving forward is really is aligning the security side with the business. In many cases, the problem you've got is that many of the leaders in technology side, especially from a security standpoint, what they tend to do is push technology. Uh, They push these, you know, flashing lights and great dice boards and all is about reactive approach. You know, these are the number of vulnerabilities and therefore we need to patch them. And we need these number of people to help, you know, reduce those vulnerabilities and exploits. So it's sometimes very reactive. And in more recent years, it's been looking at the human side of things. So they become very, let's say, outspoken where they're talking about things around cyber hygiene and cyber awareness and making security part of the culture, which I think is all great. However, I think before we get to that point, I think sometimes we're jumping over the line and getting a little bit too excited in those areas. I think one of the crucial things that the technologies and CEOs and CFOs and and risk officers and, and so forth need to do this year is the technology and security and CISO need to listen more. They need to go out and listen to the business about understanding about what an employee's job responsibility is. How do they do their job? What is crucial? Well, how did they get measured for success? Because one of the things I quickly realized a few years ago is that yes, while I myself might be a cybersecurity expert and I might be very knowledgeable in different things around cyber awareness and, and different vulnerability analysis and about exploits and password management and reducing the risk, I kind of grew to realize is that my job in cybersecurity is to help the business and help employees be successful. And for me to do that, I need to know what drives them. I need to know what, how they get measured. And ultimately the crucial conversation needs to happen is that first we need to listen and then we need to align ourselves with the business goals. And so ultimately, yes, it's a two kind of edge is that yes, the CISO and the security team need to, first of all, understand the hacking techniques that expose the risks of the company. So they need to know how a hacker and a cyber criminal thinks. They need to understand what makes them tick and how those companies are exposed to those. And the second area they need to understand is, well, how does a business get measured? How do my employees get measured for success? Because of employee, for example, I've seen some crazy things in the last year where some employees were being fired because they clicked on a phishing link. And that is so counterproductive that have those type of policies where somebody's getting fired because their job might actually be clicking things. <laughs> their job is actually to open up attachments, invoices, pay invoices, do research, you know, read documents and so forth. So that's their job and to, to be counterproductive to that is crucial. So what we want to be able to do is understand how to make sure that people do things more safely and how to educate them to be more aware more cautious, but at the same time be able to meet their goals so moving forward i think one of the crucial things is that yes to get budget and to get security budget security teams in the ciso need to become relevant to the business which means they need to align to the business goals and the business overall success and that's not to me one of the fundamental things is that means that security needs to become much more innovative into how it helps businesses drive revenue how it helps employees do their job uh, much more effectively and more efficiently so that's what's crucial and that's what ultimately will drive the future of security is that it becomes a business enabler rather than something that is actually just seen as a checkbox in order that the business needs to do because of some compliance. So to do that, the CISO needs to spend a lot more time listening to the business. And it reminds me of a conversation I had a few years ago. Myself and a CISO went into an organization and we presented you know, Security Threat Landscape all of the threats and risks, and we've shown a vulnerability risk assessment with the hope that we were gonna get budget. And the CEO and CFO turned around and said, sorry, you know, after the meeting, your budget's been declined. And we had a conversation afterwards, I was like, why did we get declined? And they said, okay, so we sat down, the CEO and CFO, and they said, we need this to be successful. We know how important security is, but how you presented and the information you, you communicated to us didn't provide us with actually business return on investment. And that's how we make our decisions. Is it basically based on the ROI? And they said, we know how critical security is. Can you show us a tangible information? Is that what you're doing to reduce the risk? And ultimately, what came down is mostly as an insurance discussion, which was interesting. That became about this is the exposure, for example, failure to comply with GDPR. This is the financial exposure. Or how much are we actually covering insurance from that? Zero. What do we need to get coverage in that? How can we reduce that risk to be something a bit more of acceptable risk? So that really drove and ultimately what the CFO said to me was it's ultimately comes down to the cost of doing nothing versus the cost of doing something. And that's where you get into your cyber risk gap. And the bigger that gap is the more willing to invest money in order to reduce it further. And that ultimately kind of was a realization that yes, also while the CISO needs to understand the business better, they also need to make sure that security aligns to being much more tangible return on investment and ultimately make sure that that is clear in their communication going forward.
0: That's very interesting, their approach to that. And I can imagine it must have been quite frustrating for you at the time as well. But obviously, it comes down to the ROI at the end of the day. But if you kind of take that education standpoint, then I guess that's all you can really do to kind of help understand that logic. But it's interesting that it had to be taken from an insurance perspective, which I guess it would
1: be at the end of the day to prevent these issues. If you think about the insurance perspective, it makes sense is that, you know, if you buy a car and as a company, you're going to accept the full cost of that car and plus the other car that you crash into. So you're willing to accept that cost. And is that something that your business, you know, has enough financial support to cover? Uh, let's say, you know, you've got a thousand cars and you're willing to take that risk or are you going to turn around and say, well, how much does it cost to offset that? What's the insurance And that's what security solutions are. Security solutions are an insurance. It may not be a insurance policy where you're just saying that, you know, based on the risk equation of of having a breach and not having a breach. What security solutions are really should be seen as an insurance policy to reduce that risk further. And ultimately that's where it should be incorporated from a budget perspective. How much money do you spend to ensure the company's business continuity? And it shouldn't ultimately be just a security, accountability, responsibility. This comes into an overall company culture and scenario where yes, the security teams of today is mostly data and technology driven, but many of it is human based. Many of the areas we talk about humans being the biggest weakness, which I say is actually incorrect. You know, this should be our biggest strength. It's how you approach it can change that. And yes, HR and onboarding and talent recognition and finance teams, the security should be across all departments. It shouldn't be just somebody seen as the security team's responsibility because this is a piece of technology and software. It's actually a business because business is now so dependent on technology that's way across the board that all departments now should have some type of either dotted line or some type of mentor or ambassador in each of those businesses to make sure that they're actually aligned with the overall company culture for cybersecurity. So that's something that we'll see as a structural change going forward is that we will start seeing much more cyber ambassadors or mentors being embedded within different business units to make sure that they're aligned with the overall company culture.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's kind of spot on there. And and you've raised up some, some interesting points here. And as we kind of wrap up towards the finish, it would be nice to kind of encapsulate all of them. You've mentioned previously that we're going to see a lot more of this before it gets better. And obviously, I think having a, a cyber... Brandon in, in each organization is, is a great idea as well. But from your standpoint, what does the future look like for the way organizations approach the conversation around security? Or I guess I say, what do you hope it
1: looks like? what I hope it looks like is that we spend a lot more time listening to the business because ultimately a failure to measure means that we will never know if we're getting better or worse. And we need to basically make sure we come up with some really strong risk-based measurements In order to make sure that we have a ability to move the pointer to move the needle to actually reducing risk so measurement is so crucial in the past measuring things based on historical standpoint and from a risk perspective has never worked and we really need to look at it well how am i reducing our risk from the business perspective and this is really kind of where i see the future is really getting into this area what we probably call adaptive or dynamic risk and businesses will look to make sure that they're able to achieve that because that will one is make security less frictionless. You know, it will cause less problems and be seen as more of a enabler, more of a positive ability for employees to do their jobs. So yes, I think that moving forward, the risk is definitely an important factor that we need to do, but I'm really hoping that we get back to the basics and we get simple things like access controls, privilege access management, multi-factor authentication, just good, simple hygiene and awareness training across employees. Those simple things will much strengthen the organization's ability to become more resilient to cyber attacks than things like, you know, the hope that AI will do it, you know, maybe five, 10 years time, AI will get there. But today we have the focus on what we can do today. Couldn't agree more. I think back to
0: basics and, and education and really understanding what the issues are and, and how to combat them is, is definitely the way forward. So Joe, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today and, and providing your
1: insights on all of this. It's been an absolute pleasure. Hopefully, people will listen and really, you know, take in the information and, and, and turn it into action. Was really what I'm hoping.
0: Yeah, and I, I think they should, and and, and they know these are uh, issues that are present, and and they know what needs to be done. But as you say, it's easier to say, it, it's harder to implement. But let's hope, fingers crossed. We're at the start of a new year. That's definitely something that can happen. But thank you, Joe, and thank you to our listeners for taking the time to join us today. If you would like to hear more from this podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasting fix from. Or for more great content, head on over to em360tech.com. Thank you once again to Joan Tychotic for joining us. And we'll be back next week with another episode in our Ask the Expert series. You've been listening to the EM360 Podcast. For more great content, head on over to em360tech.com.